0: If you'd open up with me to the book of Galatians, um, Galatians chapter 5, we are going through our values series, and we are on our sixth of seven values, and the value this week is a value called spirit, as we talk about what it means to walk in the spirit, and what that means to follow Jesus. But first I want to tell you a little story, this will make Kristen laugh, because she didn't know about it. Um, when my wife and I, we lived in Mexico in 2007, 2006, 2007. And when we were on our drive back, the, when the ministry we were part of was complete, we had to drive back from southern Mexico on the border of Guatemala all the way up to Texas because we wanted to get out of Mexico as soon as possible because I had wrecked our car. It still drove. We just wanted to get on my wife's car. Little details don't matter. Okay? Who, who's the owner? Nobody really knows. Um, So I I wrecked my wife's car. We needed to get back into the States as soon as possible because we actually bought missionary insurance for the car, but it only worked when you got back. And so we were trying to get into southern Texas as quick as possible. So we had to go through um, a city we had originally gone around because we've been told to go around it, which is Mexico City, um, FA. If you've ever heard of kind of how Mexico City is, It's nuts. It's incredibly populated, it can be particularly dangerous to white folk, um, just because it's very, just like most incredibly populated cities, crime is a little higher, and so when we were getting close to Mexico City, we were following a friend of mine named Tonto, and Tonto was driving his car and we were behind him. Now, Tonto's driven through Mexico City before, Tonto speaks fluent Spanish, we did not, Tonto knows what to look for. So before we hit Mexico City, he kind of sat us down and he was like, so here's the deal. We're going to go through DFA, Mexico City. And the driving there is unlike anything you've ever seen. There are are lights, but nobody uses them. Um, Honking, there's so much. In Mexico, just culturally, they honk to communicate. They don't honk in anger. It's not like the states where we honk to get mad at people. In Mexico, they honk to communicate. I'm coming through. They honk. So nobody gets offended. But he said the honking is going to be so much that you're not going to know what's going on. He's like, when, when you need to go somewhere, you just go. And if you have to get through cars, it's not like in the states where when someone pulls in front of you, you're going to offend them, and they're going to follow you and track you down and road rage you. Um, in Mexico, it's just normal. And he said, so you just have to know you're not going to get through the city unless you follow me and stay right on my tail and if i bend the laws you have to stay on my tail he's like it's not like it is in the states you really it's really really important that you understand even the rules were also different where we were out in southern mexico but he said here it's completely different you have to follow me if you lose me we're not going to find each other again this is before cell phones i mean 2007 we had them but we didn't have them anymore um, so this is, this is we're kind of on our own. It's, it's, you might remember the olden days when, when we were following people, we actually had to like watch them. And there wasn't a voice that said, turn here in 200 feet. <laughs> Sorry, my series British. I don't know about yours. <clears throat> but back then you actually had to follow people. And, and so we get to day FA and, and Kristen and I were a little nervous, but we're like, we got this. Like, we've been driving in Mexico for like seven months. We got this. And we get to we get to Mexico City, and right away, I mean, right when we hit the first like intersection, I was like, "Oh, that's what he meant!" And it's nuts; it's just crazy. People are just—it's just there's just this giant flow. And if you need to go somewhere, nobody's going to stop and let you through. You have to get through. You have to do what you got to do. So he said, "Stay on my tail. We're going to get through Mexico City as quick as possible. We're not stopping. We're moving through." Um, we did have a little breakdown in the middle of the city, but that was—that's not the story. The story is. We just You just follow, and we stayed right on his trail. And remember, I was doing things that in America you would never do. Like someone's coming, and you just pull right in front of them anyways. And then someone's coming, you pull right in front of them anyways. Oh, the light is red. Well, there's 40 cars going, and I'm in the middle, and we're going to go too. And it was just all these things, stay on my tail, follow no matter what. We made it through Mexico City. We did. Um, But it was the craziest. Would you agree? I mean, it was some of the craziest driving I've ever seen in my life. But the whole point was he said, don't lose me. Don't lose me. We have to stay together. This is a dangerous place. You need to just do whatever it takes to follow me. And today we're talking about what it means to walk in the Spirit. And and also, kind of that goes into what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And when it comes to following Jesus Christ, there's usually two routes that people take. This is kind of any spirituality, any religion, any uh, faith base you want to talk about. You kind of have, if you want to become a Christian, there kind of is this idea that, well, there's, if you want to become a Christian, here's the rule books. You've got to follow all the rules. And if you follow all the right rules, then you can call yourself a Christian. Well, see, this didn't start with just us. This goes all the way back to when Jesus first started the church. See, last week we talked about Romans chapter 12, where before we even talked about being transformed in by the renewing of our mind, by offering our bodies a living sacrifice, we kind of had to cover some basic roots of Christianity, which is we are loved by God because of Jesus Christ, not because of our own works. And today, as we talk about the Spirit, it kind of piggybacks that same idea of we are loved by God because of Jesus Christ, but then what does it mean to actually follow Him? What does it mean to actually follow Jesus in our everyday life? So in this passage in Galatians chapter 5, we're going to start in verse 16. But I want to give you a little recap of what's been going on. We did a little history lesson last week. We've got to do another one this week. Is everybody okay with that? Mm-hmm. Excellent. Trisha, are you okay with that? History. <laughs> so the church in Galatia is a church that Paul, the Apostle Paul himself, had planted. And when he had planted this church or this a, a group of churches... They were a largely Gentile, non-Jewish church. That means they weren't Jews. They didn't have the law. They didn't follow the Torah. But then they found out that they can now have salvation because of Jesus Christ. Well, then over time, some Hebrew Christians, which means some Jewish followers of Jesus, had mistaken what it meant to be a Christian. And they had gone into Galatia and they had told them that if you wanted to follow Jesus, yes, you needed to believe, but you also needed to follow all the rules. They called the rules back then. They were the law, the Hebrew law, the Torah, the Moses' Ten Commandments, as well as 300 other rules. And they came in and they said, if you want to follow Jesus, you guys, somebody forgot to tell you that you also need to follow the entire law. And Paul was summing up following the law in the word becoming circumcised. Why he picked of everything he could have picked, he picked that one. I have no idea. Um, and on a sub note, how do you know if everyone's circumcised? Just saying. It's easy to say, like, if you wanted to follow, you have to get a tattoo on your forehead. Well, that's easy. I could tell that you have the tattoo. When you have the tattoo, you're rebellious. You have the tattoo. This is see, like, circumcision. All right, moving forward. Don't Google how did they know they were circumcised, by the way. Um, but that was, they said, you want to follow Jesus, you've got to believe. That's great. But you also got to follow the law. And so Paul wrote this particular letter to this church to say, hey, everything you need to follow Jesus is found in believing Jesus and following his spirit. It is not found in obeying the law. And he actually goes as far as saying, who bewitched you? Who deceived you into believing that there were certain rules that you had to follow if you also wanted to follow Jesus? And that kind of leads us up to this passage where Paul says in the beginning of this passage, he says, it is for freedom that Christ has set you free don't, again, fall into slavery. And when he talks about slavery, he start, he's talking about the law or the list of rules that you have to follow. Because what has happened is pretty similar to what happens in, in our religion and other religions. Just like we talked about last week, we're naturally prone to self-righteousness, which means we're naturally prone to the idea that I can do something to earn God's favor. And if I can obey certain rules, God's going to love me more. So naturally, when when the when these Jewish believers came to the church in in Galatia and said, hey, guess what? You have the truth, but let me give you the full truth. You need to follow the law. They went, well, here's some easy ways to prove that I'm a believer. I'll just follow the law. And then that kind of sets up this this next part of the letter that Paul's going to talk about. Because when it comes to following Jesus, following Jesus is about following Jesus. Following Jesus is about not just when at Mountain View, we try not to use the word Christian a whole lot. We also don't try to use the word believer a lot. We really try to use the word following, or Jesus followers, or those following Jesus. Because we don't believe that there's a list of rules, there's a list of standards that makes you a Christian. We believe that we're Christians because we are actively following Jesus. We're trusting in Him instead of trusting in ourselves. And so, kind of like how where the, the church in Galatia is, is kind of where the following the Spirit and walking in the Spirit kind of sets us up on why this is so important. Read with me starting in verse 16. So I say, live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They're in conflict with each other, so that you do not know you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are no longer under the law. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like these will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, Gentleness and self control against such things, there is no law. those who belong to christ have been have those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. since we live by the spirit, let us keep in step with the spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying one, one another let 's pray, Lord God, I just pray you would um... Your spirit, I mean, we're talking about your spirit today, and we just pray your spirit would open up your word and help us understand it. It would um, reveal the truth and expose what's going on in our hearts. I pray your spirit wouldn't just be uh, an ignored part of the Christian faith, but it would be uh, the crux of why we can follow you, the power we need to actually follow you. Lord, it's so easy for us to fall into the trap of following certain rules and doing certain things and pretending that that's what makes us a Christian when you said that those who are yours are the ones who are following your spirit. So, Lord, I just pray that you would be glorified through this message and that you would open open up our ears to be able to receive and and hear what you're going to say to us today. We love you. We ask this in your name. Amen. So, when I was following my friend Tonto... I was, I was doing whatever it took to stay right on his tail. And sometimes following Tonto took me places and, and we had to do things. Now obviously, I didn't run anybody over, I didn't wreck the car, I did earlier, but I didn't this time, okay? I, but we had to do things that I thought were, oh, we shouldn't do this, oh, we shouldn't do this, this is bad. There were certain things that we had to do in essence to follow Tonto. The other thing is if you ask me what Mexico City looked like, I could tell you I have no idea. I was following so close to Tonto that I have no idea what we passed. I have no idea. All I could see in front of me was the cars and Tonto. Everything else that was going on is a complete blur because I was following him so close. See, the church in Galatia, they found found themselves in this trap that they believed that they didn't need to follow God's spirit. They just needed to follow a set of rules. They just needed to do a couple things. Now, when I, call, when I talk about the rules and talk about the Holy Spirit, depending on your background, that could mean a whole bunch of different things. Um, this, the Holy Spirit is part of the Godhead, the Trinity. We believe that God the Father, God the Son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit are all one. That's what we believe as kind of orthodox Christianity. But often we don't give the Holy Spirit the voice in our life that he was created to have. Now, if you're coming from a background where the Holy Spirit might mean something completely different than what I'm talking about, that's okay. Um, I think it's fair to say the Holy Spirit is probably one of the most misunderstood and sources of conflict in the church today. It doesn't mean that He is. It means our understanding of the Holy Spirit has been a big source of conflict. If you go to a church, a lot of times a church has separated from another church, and a lot of... uh, often is based on this idea of who the Holy Spirit is, or how the outward manifestations of the Holy Spirit happen, or how the inward manifestations of the Holy Spirit happen. We're not going to dive into all of those. This isn't the Holy Spirit 101 class. This is more just saying we believe that the Holy Spirit exists, we believe that He's the one that's going to guide us into truth, and we believe that we are supposed to be walking according to the Spirit. Now what Paul says right here is, he says pretty clearly, he says, If you have tried to make a list of rules, what it means to be a Christ follower or a believer, what's going to naturally happen is you're going to find yourself following the flesh. The first point is you have to be going somewhere when it comes to following the Holy Spirit. Just like last week when we talked about being transformed, something is always shaping us. And we want to be shaped by God. This week we're talking about when it comes to the Holy Spirit, we are always going somewhere. We are always being led by something. And if it's not being led by God's Spirit, we're going to be led by our sinful flesh. And, and, I mean, pretty much the story of Israel shows you that no amount of law can change your heart. No amount of law can make you sinless. We're going somewhere. But are we being led by the flesh, or are we being led by... By the Holy Spirit. Um, This is one of the areas of of the Christian faith that... um, I'm going to get a little... I'm going to get a little uh, opinionated. Can I get opinionated for a minute? Is that okay? If I offend you, just remember this is Mike's opinion. I'm not trying to... um, Yes, I'm speaking it up here. I'm not going to, like, cuss at you. Okay, but I like... um, This is more from, from my experience. Um... Sometimes when we create a Christian faith um, where instead of following God's spirit where it leads us, we kind of fall into this trap of just don't doing things that are in the world. Um, They've called this over time. They've called it secular versus sacred. You ever heard those words? Some things are sacred. Don't ask me what the measuring stick is for sacred. If it was created for God in some form, it's sacred. And then things that weren't created for God are secular. And over time, I mean, I'm talking hundreds of years to the present today, there's kind of been this battle of what's sacred and what's secular. And what we've done is we've kind of created a culture where, um, if you're a believer, you don't do anything secular, which means you don't listen to secular music, you don't wear secular shirts, you don't go to secular concerts, you don't, you don't, you don't, you don't, you don't. And so when people grow up, you say, "Well, are you? What are you? Are you a Christian?" And they'll go, "Yeah, I'm a Christian." And they'll go, "Well, what does that mean?" And they'll go, well, "I don't smoke. I don't chew." I don't go with girls. I don't listen to secular music. I don't go to secular concerts. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't. And at some point, you ask the question, "Okay, so you don't do all these things. What do you do?" And over time, it's it's become, in my opinion, kind of apparent that if we, it's. I think it's wonderful and even commanded that we lead children when we're following God. We lead children in the path they're supposed to go, but. If what the measuring stick is for being a follower of Jesus is what you do not do, it doesn't solve the problem. What happens is you get a whole bunch of believers that, what's it mean to be a Christian Well, I don't do these things? And Paul's telling the church in Galatians that that's not enough. Because your flesh is still the problem, and you're still going to fall into these sinful acts unless you change the heart. This is what a lot of theologians call the root and the fruit issue of of, of something. You have... The fruit of something, the fruit of a tree is going to reflect the root of the tree. If it's an apple tree, it's going to produce apples. And sometimes when we look at our lives in, in, in a rule-based, don't-do-this society, kind of like what they're trying to introduce to the church in Galatia, is what happens is when you see the fruit of something that's not of God start to grow, what you do is you take your trimmers and you go cut it off. And you go, all better. Whew, that was close. The problem is the root is still there. It's going to produce another one. You can't just say, don't do, don't do, and cut off all of the fruit. Every season, it's just going to produce more. And that's what Paul's trying to tell the church is, is you're going to continue producing these things until you start walking by the Spirit rather than walking by the rule book or the laws. You're going to continue producing these things. It's a root issue. Until the root is ripped out, these things are not going to change that's why i talk about the that's why i kind of got a little bit on my soapbox when it comes to the secular sacred versus secular i think there's nothing wrong with leading kids into christian entertainment or christian whatever i don't think there's anything wrong with that i do think that if that becomes the identity of what makes them a believer all we're doing is we're cutting the fruit off of the tree and pretending like we're okay when the root of the tree is still producing stuff that's going to one day kill us um so that's why we say we keep on moving we have to be going somewhere. That's part of what it means to be following the Spirit. Um, do you know what the number one reason people quit jobs in America is? You can guess if you want. Number one reason. This surprised me. Money. No. They're unhappy. Unhappy. It could potentially be that. Don't like their boss. Don't like their boss. Okay. What else? They're lazy. lazy? <laughs> I don't think in a survey they would put that. That might be the real reason, but in a survey you don't put I actually just don't like working in general. The number one reason people quit jobs in America is they're bored. Yeah. It's the number one reason. That's why your answer could have been kind of – that was kind of a cop-out, Chad. <laughs> just kidding. Um, the number one reason is because they're bored. And a lot of times when we create a culture of don't do anything because you're a Christian now, everything can lead to sin, so don't do anything. A lot of the reasons that we fall into sin is because we're not replacing that with any movement. When we get bored, we do dumb stuff. When we get bored, we lose our motivation. That's when we we start to look elsewhere. That's why staying in step with the Holy Spirit often just keeps us moving towards the things of God. And the natural fruit of what's going to happen is going to be the fruit of the Spirit. The next one is, it can be hard to keep going. Of our keys to walking in the Spirit... It can be hard to keep going. This is one of the other reasons that um, we start following the Spirit, but rules, by nature, are just easier. I don't know about you, but if, if you came to me and said, Mike, if you want to follow Jesus, you have to do 10 push-ups a day. Like, that's it? Everything else doesn't matter? That's all i got to do? I've got 10 push-ups. I promise you, if I could tell people they can go to heaven if they do 10 push-ups a day, conversion would be a lot easier. <laughs> But the problem is we're not following the rule book. We're staying in step with the Spirit. And sometimes it's following what God's doing in our lives and keeping in step with the Spirit. It takes us through hard times. It takes us through places we don't want to go. It can be sometimes hard to flex muscles that we've never flexed before. How many of you have ever been hiking after not hiking for a long time? Everybody. If you haven't, you just, know I hike every single day. Every single day I hike. Um... Working, I'm working up at a camp right now, and some of the summer staff that I'm with are incredibly fit. And every time I, we like go on these hikes, and I'm used to hiking with a whole group of like junior hires, and in every group there's somebody who's slower than me. I don't mean to brag, but there's somebody. So I usually like the pace. I'm A-OK with the pace. But when I go hiking with some of our summer staff, I can't keep up. It's because my, my lungs aren't used to breathing like that. My muscles, like I'm using muscles I didn't know existed. And, and every single time, it, it kind of burns through. And in my body, in my mind, I'm saying, I need to stop. I need to stop. Like, let's just, let's not do this again. But every single time we do it, it becomes easier and easier and easier as the muscles become getting developed. And walking in the Spirit the same way. Sometimes it's difficult because we want clear, concise answers from God, and we don't get them. Sometimes it's difficult because if I could just follow a rule, or if I could just say, here's the line, don't go near the line, Or if I could just stay still, it would be easier. But God's calling us to move forward into our neighborhoods, into our families. He's calling us to take steps forward as we follow Him. But sometimes in doing so, we recognize that we're using muscles that we've never, that haven't been strengthened yet. And it can be hard. And one of the keys to following God's Spirit is even when we go through difficult times to keep on pushing through, keep on following Him, keep on doing hard things. And that's why it's one of the values as, as, as a church is we don't ever want to get to a place where life gets hard and then we fall back on the rule book. We want to say, where's God leading our church? Where's God leading our people? It'd be a lot easier just to put together a rule book and say, just don't break the rules. We'd break them. Because we would. But it just seems easier. This way we just actually, we spend most of our time trying to follow what God's doing. Um, I love this passage in Romans. Romans chapter 5 says, We glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance produces character, and character produces hope. It's hard to hope if we haven't stuck around long enough to see God show up. But see, every single time we push through, when we follow God's spirit, and we follow and we walk with Jesus into hard places, we get to see God show up. And every time we get to see God show up and see him renew and strengthen and fulfill his purposes in our lives, the next time we do it, we have hope that we didn't have before because we know God will show up. And that's how we learn to follow the shepherd's voice, how to listen to the Holy Spirit's voice. The third key to follow in the Spirit or to walk in the Spirit is it's good for you. It's good for you. See, all those sins that Paul laid out right there are destructive sins. But when we think about entering into those sins or when we're tempted to step into this kind of broken, deadly lifestyle, which every one of us has experienced, one element or another, every time we're tempted to do that is because something is lying to us and saying that there's good to be found in this. You know, every time we follow a destructive path, we don't look at it and go, that's, that's, a destru- that's probably going to destroy me and I'm going to do it anyways. We don't do that. What we do is we see something, and we've been convinced that there's good to be found outside of God. You know, when, you know it talks about, um, it uses the word pornea or lust, um, adultery. You know, I don't know anybody who looked at another person, whether they're single and it was a, another single person, or if, they, if it was somebody besides their spouse, and they looked at him and said, Man, I bet I could destroy my marriage with that. <laughs> Nobody does that. But we do fall into the deceit of looking and going, there's good there, and I want it. There's good that God's not going to give me, but I could go get it myself right over there. But ultimately, it leads to death. Ultimately, it leads to a brokenness. Ultimately, it leads to a separation. But it's because we fall into this trap where we think that there's something good for us. And it's God's spirit when we're walking in the spirit and allowing the spirit's voice to speak to us where we get to recognize that God is doing good things. That even though something looks good, even though something looks like it might be a benefit to our lives, God is the one showing us what good is. He's the definition of good. And, and when we're following, when we're, we're taking in step with the spirit, Listen to the things that come into our lives. This goes back to that fruit or root issue. When we are following God's Spirit, this is the natural byproduct of what happens: joy, love, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self, self-control. These are the good things that enter into our lives that we get to experience, the, the fruits we get to pick from when we trust. What God's doing when we follow his spirit rather than following our own way or following a set of rules. When we get to follow God's spirit, this is the natural byproduct that comes. Um, Number four. It means some ups and downs. It means some ups and downs. When we go for a walk and we're walking with the spirit, it means sometimes um, it doesn't always look like we're on the right path. You know, I don't know about if you've been walking with Jesus for a long time, but following Jesus is not like walking on a track in like a high school. Nice, straight, <laughs> perfect little bend. If only it was like that. But following Jesus and, and walking by the Spirit has some ups and downs. It's more like a hike. If you've ever been on a long hike, there's ups, there's parts that are more challenging, there's parts that are going downhill where you get to rest a little bit. But it's also a lot more enjoyable. How many of you get all of your friends together to go walk the track at the high school? (laughs) Like We're having a picnic right in the middle, and then we're going to walk the track. Nobody. Why? Because it's boring. Some of you run it, but you hate running it. But you do it, and I'm proud of you. But like we don't get together and go, let's go walk the track. But we do get together and go hiking. We do get together and go see a change of scenery. And, and walking in God's spirit means that we're going to see a, a, some different scenery. Some of the ups and downs that come is... Following the spirit means that we sometimes fail. Following the spirit means that sometimes we're going to fall into sin. Following the spirit means that it's not a perfect path for each one of us. You know, I love in Romans 7, I mean, Apostle Paul is, is the ultimate example of a follower of Jesus wrote most of the New Testament. And the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 7, he says bluntly, he says, What I want to do, I do not do. And what I do not want to do, I do. Oh, wretched man that I am, who's going to save me from my broken body? Even Paul understands that even though in our hearts and our minds we desire to follow Jesus, even when we're walking in step with the Spirit, sometimes we're going to step off the path. Sometimes when we're following Jesus, sometimes we're going to take a wrong turn. I love what 1st John says chapter 2 it says my dear children i write this to you so that you will not sin but if anyone does sin we have an advocate with the father jesus christ the righteous one see i like this point probably the most because i think the lie has crept into the church that following jesus means that you're going to be perfect Following Jesus means you're going to have all the right things going for you. You're going to look right. You're going to act right. You know, in my experience, that just means that when the fruit of wickedness starts to produce itself in our lives, we just get out the trimmer and we cut it off. And we go, look, here I am. You know, we're not perfect. We do fail. We do make mistakes. And thanks be to God that it's not up to our perfection to have a relationship with God, but it's because of Jesus' perfection. And we've, when we walk in the Spirit, sometimes we learn the most in our relationship with God in the midst of our sins. I don't know about you, but sometimes when God reveals and the Holy Spirit reveals my idolatry and the things I'm struggling with and the brokenness in my life, that's when I learn and grow the most. See, Jesus can handle our failures. Do you know that? Jesus can handle our mistakes. Jesus can handle our brokenness. Jesus can handle all the skeletons you hide in your closet. And the great thing is he's giving us an invitation still to follow his spirit in the midst of it because he's already taken that sin into consideration. And so as we follow him, he's taking those things into consideration and he's saying still walk with my spirit. You'll be surprised what fruits will show. And then the last one. Following the spirit it means having a few surprises means having a few surprises um sorry i'm losing my mic uh, got it oh ha ha, ha ha i didn't think of it that way sorry is that condescending yeah. <laughs> um okay sorry they're these but goodies okay jeff Um, So this is going to be the most charismatic I get in our message, okay? Because I'm not a highly charismatic person when it comes to the Holy Spirit. But I think that in general, we've put so many boundaries and guidelines on what it means to be a Christian that we don't allow room for surprises anymore. We don't allow room. We didn't make room enough for God to show up in ways that aren't expected anymore. And when I studied the New Testament and I look at the early church, they didn't say... All right, Holy Spirit, here's your boundaries. Just make sure you don't go outside of them. You know, they were letting the Holy Spirit take the lead, and sometimes the Holy Spirit did things that were unusual. Sometimes the Holy Spirit showed up in ways that were unexplainable. Sometimes the Holy Spirit showed up in supernatural ways. And when we walk in step with the Holy Spirit, there's going to be times where following Him is going to take us places that we weren't expecting, going to take us to new places we've never been you're going to see God do things that you didn't think God did but it's part of following the holy spirit and i think if there's one point that could be most applied to the church today it's leave room for god to surprise you as we walk in the spirit you're going to be blown away by what god has in store you're going to be surprised at who he softens your heart towards you're going to be surprised at who he decides to heal when nobody thought it was going to happen We have to get out of the habit of telling the Holy Spirit where it has room to move. Telling the Holy Spirit where it has room to to change things and alter things. Holy Spirit, we'll let you add one more chorus to that song, but that's it. (laughs) That's, That's our line. That's the line right there in the sand. You know, I think that we as a church, one of the ways we walk in the Spirit rather than walk in a firm set of guidelines is because we need to give the Holy Spirit room to surprise us. To make changes. You know, Jesus is the disciples, which, just so you know, following the Holy Spirit, we walk with the Holy Spirit because it's a representation of his disciples walking with Jesus. And Jesus took his disciples to places and did things that they were not expecting. And sometimes their reaction was they flipped out. Folks, sometimes God's going to take us places and we're going to have no other option but to flip out because we don't know what's happening. But when we're walking with the Spirit, who cares? And, and, you know, his disciples, sometimes God led his disciples into surprising places and they said, why would we be here? Why are you taking us here? Why would I cast my net on this side after fishing all night? Leave room for God to surprise you as you walk with him. If you've already got a clear, defined, written statement of where you're going to allow God to move, we're no different than the religious people that God was condemning in the New Testament. We have to leave room for God to surprise us. If you haven't learned what it means to walk with the Spirit, I would encourage you to take some time, look at some different practices. I think the best way for me, I think the most practical way to let the Holy Spirit guide you is what we talked about last week. When you present your life to Him, you're letting the Holy Spirit guide you. I don't think it has to be an outward show of worship. I don't believe it comes in, you have to speak in tongues. I don't believe that, I mean, I've heard all sorts of stuff. I don't I don't believe, I believe The Holy Spirit guides us in truth when we present our lives to Him. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit leads us into the truth of God's Word. So if the Holy Spirit's leading you into something that is conflicting to God's Word, that's not the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit is going to minister to us when we're struggling. The Holy Spirit is going to be our helper through life. I believe if you haven't found a way to let the Holy Spirit speak to you, sometimes it starts with just listening, just stopping. Present your life to God. God. Present your life to him. Say, God, this is my life. Maybe it has to happen every single day. God, this is my life today. That's how you walk with the Spirit, in my opinion. It's pretty simple. Ten push-ups would be easier. But I like this one better because this one comes with some surprises. So as we move forward and kind of finish up our series on on, on the values of the church, I want you to recognize why we value God's Spirit so much as a church. And if you start to see us listening to a set of rules or scared to step out of the box, doesn't mean we don't have a reason. But sometimes it's because we want to give the Holy Spirit some limitations on what he can do. And Maybe we need to hear from you and say, hey, you scared of a couple surprises? Let's see what God has in store. Let's pray.